Good evening, everybody. Um, thankful for this opportunity God afforded us tonight. We had an opportunity to jump on just a little bit early. Um, so we're going to post to YouTube tonight, and then uh, uh, we'll share this to Facebook. And uh, when everybody has time and opportunity, they can jump on <clears throat> and join in with, with, our, uh, with our Bible study. But we uh, appreciate you uh, taking time to, and I know you won't watch it uh, now, necessarily but uh, we appreciate you taking the time to view it and um, ask that you pray for us uh, first and foremost we'd ask you to remember those uh, in the church <clears throat> that are sick uh, those that are dealing with COVID and other issues surgeries and uh, a lot of various aspects um, we're praying for every one of them let's remember especially uh, brother Richard Miller he's um, um, in, in ICU with pneumonia due to COVID, uh, so he very much appreciates your prayers. Remember my mother-in-law, she's <clears throat> uh, in the same shape, and uh, we're certainly praying that uh, God will touch and heal according to his will. We believe that he can, we believe that he will. Uh, and so uh, remember all those others that uh, are recovering, getting over everything, but uh, I'm going to take uh, just a few minutes right here, and we're going to... <clears throat> We're probably not going to uh, get through the remainder of the chapter. I'm just going to pick up a few verses right here, and we're going to try and make this a bite-sized portion where hopefully that you can uh, take time to listen to it uh, and study your way through it as well. I know that I <clears throat> probably uh, downloaded entirely too much information last uh, last week and didn't take enough time in explaining it. Um, and, and I may recap some of that tonight, and uh, my apologies on that, but... Uh, it's a, a big chapter and a lot of overwhelming um, theology contained in here, and we're thankful for that. So if you have your Bibles, you want to uh, read along with us, we'll be in St. John chapter number 1, picking up <clears throat> we'll be left off last week in verse number 14, and we'll read through uh, just a few verses right here. But we want to go to the Lord in prayer first. <clears throat> if you would, uh, pray with us. Our Father, as we bow in thy presence, God, tonight, God, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this privilege an opportunity of prayer. We pray, God, that you watch over us, keep us, and care for us. We pray, God, that you bless thy word, God, as we open it uh, and we study through uh, your text tonight. We pray, God, that we would rightfully divide uh, the word of God, that we would uh, uh, do it uh, service and not injustice. We pray that we would treat it carefully and prayerfully. Uh, we pray, God, that we would let it change us and uh, not us change it. We pray, God, that you'd help us bless, as we've already mentioned, and touch those that are sick and afflicted uh, and need uh, of healing from thee. We pray and ask, Heavenly Father, Lord, that you would intervene uh, only as your mighty hand can. And we know that uh, all things will work together for good to them that love God uh, and are thee called according to your purpose, to his purpose, is what your word tells us. Bless tonight, God, as we read. Uh, God, we'll certainly thank you, praise you, God, for what you do. Uh, keep us in care for us, uh, and uh, we will we will praise you for all good things that come from thee. For we know that thou art the Father of lights, and all good things come down uh, from you which are in heaven. Help us, God, now as we open thy word. We'll praise you and we'll thank you. We ask it in the strong, mighty, precious name of Jesus. For thy sake we pray. Amen. Uh, and we'll try and work our way through this. <clears throat> John chapter 1. 
Uh, we're going to pick up with verse number 14, and we're going to read several verses right here, and then we'll just try and make our way through this uh, in a timely fashion. Uh, but we pick up in verse number 14, the Bible says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Uh, and they asked him, What then art thou, Elias? And he said, I am not. Art thou the prophet? And he answered, No. Then uh, said they unto them, Who art thou? Uh, that we might give an answer to uh, them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as uh, said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were uh, sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize thee with water, but there one standeth among you whom ye know not. He it is who cometh after me is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabara beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is, this is he of whom I said, after me, uh, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Uh, therefore am I come baptizing uh, with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending uh, from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him, and I knew him not. But he uh, that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, unto, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is, is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is <coughs> the Son of God. And so we'll just pick up just briefly here uh, as we picked up on the last verse that we spent a lot of time on last week. And we probably, understandably, didn't do uh, uh, its service. But <clears throat> we want to talk about it just just briefly once again. And um, questions, comments, concerns, uh, any of those things, feel free uh, to post them, send me texts, call me, whatever. We can discuss these things. Uh, <clears throat> but the Bible says, and the Word. Uh, and so we, uh, when we get to the Word right here, we see <clears throat> that the Word was manifest. We go back to verse number 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we established last week that this is a, a, the parallel tie uh, that we have through Genesis chapter 1, verses uh, 1 through 5. Essentially, we see uh, the pre-existent agent of creation, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, the manifestation of God in the flesh, the incarnate, the second person of the Trinity, uh, which was the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the Word which became flesh. And that's what the Bible tells us in the book of Philippians. I believe it's in the second chapter. Uh, it said he, he thought it not robbery to make himself equal with God, uh, but humbled himself and he took upon himself and he robed himself with a, cloth, uh, with a cloak of flesh. 
and became obedient even to the uh, even the Bible says even to the uh, to uh, obedience of death. So we see here that the word was made flesh and dwelt and we talked a lot last week about the word dwelt, what that means, what that entails and dwelling that that is temple and tabernacle language and why is that important because the temple and tabernacle language that carries from the old testament or the old covenant which is now purported into the new covenant in the new testament this temple and tabernacle language this is where the shekinah glory of god uh, where it would come and dwell and reside within the most holy place uh, upon the mercy seat uh, wherein the cherubims overshadowed uh, and upon the Ark of the Covenant. So we see that God's Shekinah glory, it would fall from heaven, it would reside among the people. Uh, now listen, we said this last week, we'll say it again just briefly. Uh, now the kings, priests, prophets, and judges, those that were anointed with special services, uh, the, those that were called out and set aside, maybe for the uh, construction of the temple and the tabernacle, and given the architectural design, the Spirit of God would dwell upon them. We see the kings where the Spirit of God dwelt upon them. We see this uh, as we, and it permeates itself through the Old Testament and through the Old Covenant. But we see this dwelling in this tabernacle language is now translated not from a physical place, not from a tent, from a tabernacle or a temple. It, will, it, it translated itself from a physical geographical location uh, prescribed only for God's elect, which was the nation and the people of Israel, the northern and southern tribes uh, eventually. Uh, but we'll see where uh, the Bible changes its language from a geographical place now to a person. And now we see that the tabernacle language is no longer affiliated with a temple or a tabernacle at a specific geographic location, but now the temple and tabernacle language, the dwelling language, is now associated with the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, the incarnate of God. As Isaiah said, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Uh, this is the Son of God. So the Bible says his word made, uh, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So he tabernacled among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we beheld his glory. Uh, and so when we say this, uh, what is God's glory? <clears throat> when we see in Old Testament language, we see that glory is the Shekinah. So it is the vis visible and physical presence of God. And so when we see that physical, physical and visible presence of God, now we see where uh, God has literally dwelling among his people. Uh, we see the uh, uh, we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, the eternal begotten. You go back and you read. Uh, we can just read this briefly. Uh, the eternal begotten uh, of God. Hebrews chapter number uh, one. We'll read this uh, just as we tie this in. It just came to my mind, so or I would have had it marked. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number one, verse number one, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. And so this is talking about the people and the children of Israel. Uh, so God who in sundry times, times past, days gone by, he spoke uh, to our fathers, which is the people, the elders of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all those that would descend past and from him. 
He said, we've spoken to them by the prophets. He said, now hath in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, and by whom also he made the worlds. And see, we see the same language used in the book of John. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, without him there's nothing made that was made. So we see that we have... Uh, the eternal begotten of God. In verse 3 of chapter 1 of Hebrews, the Bible says, who being the brightness or the shining of his glory, uh, the, the radiance of God's glory. Who, this, is, this is the description of Christ. This is Christ who being the radiance or the shining uh, of God's glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he hath by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For which of the angels at any time uh, uh, said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Uh, and again I will be uh, to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And, he, and again, when he bringeth in the first begotten of the world, he saith, And let the angels of God worship him. So we see the establishment here. Uh, whoever you believe to be the author of the book of Hebrews uh, is, is reestablishing uh, the the incarnation, uh, the co-eternality, uh, and and uh, I wish I could uh, uh, frame the words better. Uh, but listen, he was pre-existent before all things, and we've talked about the logical order and the progression of God's knowledge. We're not going to get into that again tonight. We've talked about that at great length on multiple other occasions. But we get into this right here, and we, we need to have this foundational understanding uh, that Christ did not become the Son of God when he was born into this world. Christ was the Son of God from eternity past. And we talk about this uh, in 1 Peter chapter number 1. We, we quote this verse often. Uh, 1 Peter chapter number 1, the Bible says, uh, that we were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, without spot, who was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world. We have the preexistence of Christ before the creation of this world. We have a mediator. I've said this on multiple occasions. I want to say it again now. Uh, friends, listen, uh, so, so many times people, they associate the Lord Jesus Christ as being the answer to humanity's sin. Christ is not the answer to, our, to humanity's sins. Christ is the savior of humanity's sin. Christ is the redeemer. He is the reconciler. He is the one, uh, listen, that reconciles and reclaims all things. That's what Calvary was about. Calvary was about more than me and you. Calvary was about the nations. Calvary was about the Edenic state. Calvary was about this world. He came, he reconciled, he bought back he redeemed all things unto himself and redeeming all things unto himself I listen because he is the tabernacle I'm glad listen just to make uh, just to make a, uh, a long explanation even longer we can say this that uh, when the Bible says in Ephesians 2 and 8 for my grace you save through faith and that not of yourselves but it is the gift of God well, when we examine that text and that passage we we come to this uh, we come to this uh, realization that because Christ is the tabernacle 
And because, and we're going to get to the law here in just a few minutes, and, and I feel like I need to say this to get to the law portion of this. Uh, because Jesus uh, made this proclamation. He said, I came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Why did he come not to destroy it, but to fulfill it? Because the law is God's righteousness. Uh, God's righteousness has never changed, and it will never change. There's a lot of people today, they, they, they like to ta uh, take and uh, they'll try and formulate God's word into their lives and they'll try and reshape it, reform it. Uh, listen, they'll try every way that they possibly can uh, to make it, uh, to restructure it to fit their lives personally. Uh, but what we need to understand here is the text is the truth. God's righteousness is the truth. The law of God is the righteousness of God. It was then and it is now. That's why Christ said, I didn't came, I didn't come to destroy it. He didn't come to do away with it. He came to fulfill it because when he could fulfill it, he could then exonerate those that by faith through grace would believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ because of that transgress, uh, because of that, uh, uh, the way that transpires, uh, the, us in and through him, we could obtain that righteousness. We are there, what the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, we are imputed righteousness. And because we are imputed righteousness for Christ's sake, we then ourselves <clears throat> become a tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. And listen, when we when the Holy Spirit now tabernacles, it dwells as the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Ghost of God dwelt in Jesus. The Holy Ghost now resides personally, uh, individually within every saved, born again, confessed believer. We have the residence of the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Godhead, which is not an it, it is an him that now resides in us. So, then we can move on with what we read. The Bible says, John, by witness of him, uh, and we see this relationship in John chapter 15 of him is now referring back to the word which has been established as Christ. Says, John, by witness of him, the word Christ, uh, and cried, saying, this, uh, this was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And this speaks about uh, the preexistence uh, 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 of our agent, the second person of the Trinity of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has existed from eternity past. I can't say that enough. We had a, mate, a mediator for us uh, before this world ever was. And because we have a mediator, we have an intercessor, we have an advocate, uh, we're, we're going to get to that in just a few minutes. So the Bible tells us that uh, John the Baptist makes the proclamation. He said, uh, listen, he that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. This is talking about Jesus. And he said, of his fullness have all we received, grace for grace or grace upon grace. So this is compounding grace right here. Uh, and it's, the Bible says, and of his fullness have all we received, grace upon grace. What, what is the definition of grace? And we know that Webster's Dictionary uh, definition of grace is the unmerited favor of God toward man. That means that we got something that we did not deserve, essentially, basically, and simply put. So we see compounding grace right here. Uh, so the, uh, now, wh what do we have grace upon grace? Now listen, we get into the language of verse number 17 right here. Uh, and the Bible tells us, it says, For the law was given by Moses. So what did the law do? What, what did the Torah do? What, what was the law? And where was the law contained? And this is all important. 
Uh, you go back and you study this. You go back and you read the book of Leviticus. When he took the tablets of stone, the tablets of stone were then stored in the Ark of the Covenant. And this is where we get into the Temple Tabernacle language. With the stone, and I mentioned this last week in the book of Ezekiel when I tried to uh, uh, draw that back into verse number 14. I probably didn't take enough time to explain it uh, explicitly or uh, in depth like it should have been. But we get to this right here where the Torah resided in the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant then resided in the most holy place, which was an interior court in the holy place, which was in, inside the temple. So then when we get into this, we see where uh, inside the most holy place, we come in, th we come in there where the, where, the, where the priest would make uh, and make his presence known one day a year on the Day of Atonement after he'd cleansed himself. But we find there in the Ark of the Covenant where the tablets of stone contained in the Ark. Like I said, I'm not to, uh, just, uh, I, 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 I know I'm repeating myself, but the mercy seat resided above, the cherubims then covered over. So the Bible says the law was given by Moses. So what, 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 what did the law come to do? The law came to bring and make us privy of the revelation and the knowledge of sin, of transgression. That was the reason that the law came. The reason the law came was to make us privy to these things so we could understand that we are transgressors in the sight of God. And because we are transgressors in the sight of God, why are we transgressors? Because the law. Why? Because the law is God's righteousness of which we are all covenant breakers. Uh, we, we, we have all to every degree and to every fashion and extent, we, have, we, have, we are breakers of God's righteous command and law. So the Bible says, for the law was given by Moses, but... I, and I love what Paul wrote in the book of, uh, in the fifth chapter of the book of Romans. He said, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Let's go back and read that. I know that we just studied through that. Uh, but let's go back and read this just briefly. Uh, in Romans chapter number five, uh, verse number 18. Therefore, as by uh, the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all uh, men under justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. More of the law entered that the offense might abound. That's what we just talked about. More of the law entered. When the law came, it gave, it gave us the revelatory knowledge of sin and transgression. Uh, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. This is what... This is what uh, Paul is, is adding clarity uh, as we understand it uh, here. But the Bible says, moreover, as the law entered, the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So listen, the law came, it came, and we possess this, and it came by Moses, but it came that the offense might abound, so we could have the revelation and the knowledge of sin. But listen, where sin abounded, the Bible tells us that grace much more abounded. So listen, we don't have to 
The story does not end in the sadness and the emptiness and the and, and, and the wicked, vile abomination that we are eternally separated from God because of our sin, because we have a reconciler, we have a redeemer, we have someone who atoned in our stead and in our place corporately, I listen, as a community, and he redeemed and he bought back all things that were, listen, that he loved and that were precious. He's He's reclaimed and rebought all of these things which was once lost in the fall and in the garden. So the Bible says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. I want to read this to you in John 5, 46 and 47. Uh, I've got this marked in the wrong place right here. John 5, 46 and 47, the Bible says, For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? Those are, those are red-letter words. Those are words of Christ. Uh, and he makes the declaration, for, for Moses wrote of me. We, we must see the necessity and understanding that in the Old Testament, Listen, there is clarity and vision in the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, they probably uh, and most definitely did not view and see him like we presently see him as we look back. They were attempting to look forward uh, and... uh, Listen, they just didn't formulate things the way that we formulate things. We live in in a different world. We have uh, access to uh, all kinds of information. We can look back into history. We can uh, we can do all these things, but we can't we can't we can't even begin to perceive what they saw looking forward. We can probably try uh, listen to similarly. Uh, formulate within our minds potentially what they thought it might have been. I, I personally believe that they were looking for a new Eden, for a new garden. That's what the promise of Canaan was, was a promised land wherein would reside peace and rest. Uh, But listen, we know that uh, because of their disobedience, because of their willful disobedience, God told them that he would grant them everything that they could ever potentially uh, possess or want in that land. But they they chose and they refused. They disavowed uh, and they were disobedient to God. And therefore, uh, <clears throat> there was uh, there was a heavy hand of judgment fell upon the nation of Israel many times over. It didn't happen just once. It was God's mercy that would draw them back in and uh, reconstitute them, reestablish the people. But then again, in their sin and the rejection, they would walk away. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And this is the record uh, of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? Now listen, uh, one thing that you'll uh, catch on in the Gospel of John when John, uh, listen, he never addresses uh, uh, people as sons of God. He addresses uh, them, uh, the believers, as the nation of Israel. He never refers to the believers as the Jews. He always b- refers to them as Israel. Uh, the only begotten Son of God is a claim of deity that, that John, uh, that he assigns only, only to the second person of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus Christ. He never assigns uh, that relationship to believers. But we get to this right here. 
Uh, and the Bible tells us right here, uh, uh, no man, uh, listen, and this is a record of John, uh, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem, asked, who art thou? So listen, <clears throat> the Jews, which is the Sanhedrin, they assembled priests and Levites, and they sent them down. They, and listen, they, they had a face-to-face -face confession uh, with John the Baptist. He said, and they basically said, who art you? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. I want to get over here to something. Um, yeah, okay. <clears throat> and he confessed and denied, and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Uh, and we see that this is a reiteration of where John, uh, he, he, he made this clarifying statement in, in verse number six as well. He said, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light but it was sent to bear witness of the light. And this is, we see here, we see a renouncing uh, and a denying of himself that he may, listen, as John the Baptist said this, he said, I must decrease that he might increase. He realized his place and, and, and he immediately renounced his, uh, that, that he was the Christ. And the Verse 21, the Bible tells us this. And they asked him, what then, art thou lies? And he said, I am not. Art thou uh, that prophet? And he answered, no. Now I want to read this to you. We have here a prophecy, Malachi chapter number four. Uh, Malachi chapter number four. Let me get over here. I've got these Bible markers all in my way here. <clears throat> Put this back in here. Malachi chapter number four. I apologize. I should have had this marked. Malachi chapter number four. Verse number five and six. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before uh, the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of uh, the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So we get to this point right here. And John the Baptist, he clearly and plainly, he answers and says, no, uh, no, I am not, uh, not the Christ. Uh, not only am I not the Christ, uh, but he says, uh, I am not, uh, I am not Elijah. And we get back to this right here, and, and we're going to say this right here, is because he came in the spirit of Elijah. Uh, this was what he came, uh, and I've got this marked over here, if I can find it again. Well, I thought I could right here. Matthew chapter number 17 uh, if we'll read this just briefly, I know I'm, I'm scattershotting around, but I, I'm doing this intentionally tonight. I'm trying to uh, calm myself down a little bit so we can get through this because there's some important stuff. And yeah, I could preach on all this uh, most definitely and get a little, uh, get a lot carried away. Honestly, I know I could. Uh, but in Matthew chapter number 17, Jesus says these words, and they came down from the mountain. This is when they're coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And, and as, and as uh, they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, tell the, tell the vision to, to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, why then say the scribes that, Elijah, that Elias must first come? This is the prophecy that Jesus is speaking about from the fourth chapter of the book of Malachi. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall come first and restore all things. So now we see that Jesus is reiterating 
uh, and, and claiming the truth of the prophecy of Malachi chapter number four, that there's going to one, there's one coming uh, that is going to preach, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He's going to turn uh, the, the hearts of the nation of Israel that are looking for a Messiah, looking for a savior. Uh, listen, he's going to turn their hearts that they could, uh, uh, so they, so their hearts could be prepared to receive what was to come. In verse 12, Jesus says this, But I say unto you that Elias is come already. Elijah has come already, and they knew him not. But have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the, then the disciples understood that he spoke unto them of John the Baptist. And this is what he's talking about right here. So uh, when, when and a lot of people make a lot of different uh, theologies and doctrinal decisions based off of John's answer right here uh, in verse number 21 when they ask him art thou a lies and he saith I am not art thou a prophet and he said he answered no but what John was meaning is he said listen I am not the Elijah that was taken away in the whirlwind I am John the Baptist that has come in the spirit of Elijah to preach, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, to turn the nation of Israel's hearts to a Messiah and a Redeemer that shall soon come. That was his intention. And he didn't want to turn the focus to him. He wanted all the focus to be on the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 22, then said they unto him, who art thou that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? You got to give us an answer, man. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He makes, he makes no name claim right here. He said, I, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. Now listen. Make straight the way of the Lord, uh, as the prophet uh, Isaiah said, and they which were sent were of the Pharisees. So listen, they came down there, they came on this inquiry uh, and this inquisition of John the Baptist. Who are you? Why are you here? What are you doing? Uh, listen, are you the Christ? Are you Elijah? To which he answers, no. He said, I'm just a voice of one crying in the wilderness to make straight the way. Uh, uh, listen, make straight the way of the Lord. He wanted all things to look forward to the Messiah. He wanted to look, he wanted everybody to look, not to him, but this is why John said uh, in verse number 15, as we've already reiterated, John bear witness of him, crying, saying, this is he of whom I spake, he that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. In verse 25, we'll pick up with this. Uh, I'm going to try and shorten this up. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not the Christ, nor Elias, uh, neither that prophet? And, and uh, this probably needs some clarity as well. When you get to the Greek translation uh, through the Septuagint of Elijah, it translates Elias. And Elias does mean Elijah. Uh, neither that prophet. John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. Now here he starts making the messianic claim that there is one that is coming. Uh, now they were looking, uh, the, the Israelites of this day and time, they had fallen prey. Uh, you might as well call it in exile once again. 
they found themselves under the heavy, burdensome hand of, of Rome, uh, and, and they were lording over them. They were looking for one to come, a Savior, a Moses-esque Savior to come and to pull them back out uh, of this uh, state of affairs that they had found themselves in and, and, and for somebody to carry them into the promised land just as Moses had prophesied that, they, that he would and that, that, that uh, ultimately was brought to fruition through uh, Joshua. But then we see right here where the Bible says, uh, listen, John answers uh, them saying, I baptize with water, but there one standeth among you whom you know not. He it is who cometh after me is preferred before me. His shoe latch, and I'm not worthy than loose. These things were done in Bethabara beyond Jordan where John was baptizing. So this is the conversation that John had with them uh, in the Jordan. The next day, the Bible says, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, behold, the Lamb of God. What a declaration as he makes this messianic claim. Right, friends, listen, the Lamb of God. We see here that John is pointed that he is specific in his language. Uh, and we need to hear this, need to understand this, because John was a Levite. Uh, so John was of the priestly order. John the Baptist was a Levite of the priestly order. And when he, this declaration that John the Baptist made to Jesus when he was walking on the bank of the Jordan River, uh, listen, he said, this is the Lamb of God. Amen? Uh, so his intentionality by that was this was the Paschal Lamb. This is the first you. This is the only begotten of the Father. This is he that comes without blemish and without spot. Uh, listen, this is the Messianic Lamb that shall be offered at the ultimate final Passover. This was the declaration that John the Baptist made. He said, this is the Lamb of God, not to be confused with the prophet. He is not a prophet. He, uh, listen, he is the ultimate fulfillment of the prophet, the ultimate fulfillment of a king and of a priest. But listen, friends, he came to be the sacrificial lamb and he orchestrated, replicated, uh, listen, all the symbology that we see in the temple and tabernacle language, all the order of the, the priestly order. We see all these things reestablished in Jesus Christ. He said, because he is the lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. What a prophetic message that John the Baptist declared. Uh, listen, I at the coming and then the initiation of Jesus's ministry right here, he said, this is the Lamb of God. This is the Pascal Lamb. This is the eschatological, uh, listen, determined Lamb which will come and he is here to take the sin of the world away. Friends, listen, uh, this was something that was that was that was prophesied. John the Baptist. That's why the Bible says that the Spirit of God filled him, and he leapt in his mother's womb as Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth had made her descent, go down and visit Mary. I, the Spirit of God touched, intervened. I, listen, crept up inside and leapt, uh, made John the Baptist leap because he understood who the Lord Jesus Christ, who the Messiah was. This is he of whom uh, I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I knew him not. But he uh, that should be made manifest to Israel, therefore I am come baptizing uh, with water. Now listen, I'm going to talk about this just for, just. I won't regress for just a few seconds. 
He that, uh, that taketh away, or he taketh up and he taketh away. I've got this written down right here. It says, uh, this word signifies both as does the corresponding Hebrew word applied to sin. It means to be chargeable with the guilt of it. Ezekiel 28, 38. And it shall be upon Aaron's forehead that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel shall uh, hallow in, in all their holy gifts. And it shall be always upon his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. Leviticus 5, uh, 1. And if a soul sin and hear the voice of swearing and is a witness whether he shall be seen or known of it, uh, if he do it uh, not utter it, if he if he do not utter it, then he shall bear his iniquity. Ezekiel eighteen twenty. Uh, I've talked about this verse numerous occasions. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. But the Bible tells us he came to take up and to take away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, and I'm going to move on with this, and I'm going to be done. This is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but he, that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, I am come baptizing with water. And John, I bear record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and an abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Unto whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining. We, so listen, we see here the dissension of the third person of the Godhead falling upon the second person of the Godhead, which is now the new covenantal tabernacle. And the Bible says, now listen, where the Shekinah glory would fall upon the tabernacle, it would fall down and it would go up and the, the people would look for the visible presence of the Holy Spirit. But this, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit of God, it fell from heaven above and resided upon the only begotten Son of God, the Lamb, the Redeemer, the great and mighty Counselor, wonderful. Uh, and, and listen, the Bible says not only did it descend upon him, but it remained and it stayed upon him. The same as he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I, and I saw and by record that this is the Son of God. God bless you tonight. Uh, uh, listen, I'm going to stop right there because I could spend a whole nother hour and I probably will uh, spend a whole nother hour <clears throat> uh, on, on the tail end of these verses that we've read and, and uh, potentially uh, making our way through the end of the first chapter of the Gospel of John. God bless you tonight. We love you so very much. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your time. Uh, let's remember, uh, we'll have announcements coming out at the end of the week about what we're doing from a service perspective. I do want to take this time to announce this before I forget. Uh, Brother Cody and Brother Greg will be running revival at, uh, down at the at the arbor at the Laddie Schoolhouse. It starts this coming Sunday night. Uh, we'll run from Sunday to Friday, seven o'clock every night. Keep that much in prayer. Keep those that are in the hospital, those that are sick. Let's continue to pray for them that God's healing hand of mercy would reside and rest upon them. God give them healing and deliverance. That's what we're hoping for, looking for. Uh, our earnest heart's desire tonight is, if you don't know Jesus and the free pardon of sin, that you make him your Lord and your Savior before this day would draw to an end. God bless you. We love you.